Good evening, everyone, and let's dive right in with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend. We are set to travel to Detroit. Let's bring in the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, belated happy Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great holiday and a restful bye. Yeah, same to you guys. It was it was good to be able to get away. I think it's probably the first Thanksgiving that I've had off since I've been in coaching and, and playing. So it was uh, it was nice to be able to spend some time. And I think it came at a good time for our team, you know, and for our coaches as how, well. How much did you eat? Be I honest. Ate a lot. Yeah, I probably drank more than I ate <laughs> <laughs> because but, of the game or just because of Thanksgiving. Both. Both. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. It was good to be able to spend some time with some family and friends and. Uh, you know, feel like you're a fan watching the Thanksgiving games and watching on Sunday, but doing a little bit of work here and there, which, you know, is good. You know, you kind of don't want to get too far away from it, but you do want to get yourself recharged and refreshed. And I think everybody feels good to be back. It was it was good to have the players back in the building today and, and getting ready for uh, for Detroit this week. So as you met with them and walked through with them, how did you frame uh, this week picking the season up again and the five remaining regular season games? Yeah, you know, the nice thing is, is I think, you know, the first thing is, is it's a credit to what they they've done up to this point to be playing relevant games that have a lot of meaning as we continue to progress. You know, our message doesn't change, JB, in terms of it's about that one day at a time, one week at a time mindset and mentality. Now, the nice thing for us is because they're 10-1, and because of some of the things they've done, uh, we go take care of business in Detroit. We're NFC West champs. So, uh, you know, that's that's our goal. We know it's going to be a great challenge going on the road, but uh, our preparation started today, and then it'll really pick up with our, you know, the implementation of our early down and distance game plan on Wednesday when the players return. I think we know you, you watch everything, especially your players, with a critical eye, but can you separate yourself and say, I'm proud of you guys for the effort that you showed on Monday night? That was one hell of a game. 100%. Oh, yeah. You know, you always want to be focused on the improvement, but that doesn't mean that you can't give, give praise for all the great things that they're doing and, and recognize a, a total team win. You know, I think when you look at the score, it's a little bit misleading in terms of the different contributions. Two defensive touchdowns, five takeaways, uh, two really two-minute stops at the end of the game by the defense, an unbelievable 68-yard punt by Johnny Hecker when we had to have it the most so uh, obviously Jared Goff's leadership poised to, to be able to you know find Gerald Everett on the final drive but uh, creating with his legs a little bit getting a bunch of different guys involved offensive line doing an excellent job so it was a true team effort you know Aaron Donald uh, you know continues to show up in a, in a variety of ways and uh, you know you're really just thankful to be a part of it especially with just the types of guys we have you know you talk about that mental toughness being resilient throughout not flinching not blinking and, and I never sensed any bit of that, uh, you know, with all the ebbs and flows that took place in that game. It was exhausting for sure. Uh, Since we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, just an overview of what's to come on the Coach McVay Show tonight. We'll take a deep dive into that Chiefs win on Monday Night Football. Preview the game against the Lions in a great audible segment with your questions directly to the head coach as well. Um, I I take it from your first comment, you may not have necessarily minded uh, Carolina falling against Seattle, even though that would have put the division crown on your heads right now because it gives you something very simple to kind of take into your own hands this week. Yeah, you know, I think our guys, I, we have a whole lot of respect for Seattle and what they've done and really just watching, you know, the, the Green Bay game and then just, uh, you know, what a great job they did going on the road in a tough place and, and finding a way to get a win. You know, I thought they did a great job, but the nice thing is, is with what our team's done up to this point, uh, being able to take care of the head-to-head with these guys, uh, if we go handle our business this week, you know, we can celebrate that division title together and uh, it certainly isn't going to be easy you know you look at Detroit they've got a lot of different uh, players and, and a lot of different things that they do schematically in all three phases that give you issues and we got a lot of respect for them and we know it's going to take a great effort on our part to be able to go get it done I was going to ask you going into the game or, or in the game when did you know that maybe Todd was compromised 
Or did you know? Yeah, no. I mean, I knew that he had gotten rolled up on. It, it happened on the first drive. And, and, you know, it was on the right sideline. And, you know, he's such a tough competitor. He's not going to say anything to Marco. He wants to continue to compete. But um, you could just feel it wasn't – I mean, he was still – he's still a great player. But you could just feel it wasn't totally uh, himself. And, and he had gotten hit. But I thought he did a great job of not allowing that to affect him, especially when you look at some of the plays he was able to make, especially in the second half when he got his opportunities. But they had fully committed to doing some different – things that uh you know where they were basically daring you to throw it and uh, you know sometimes you get that approach and, and I think what it is is a credit and a respect to to the you know to the run game and, and to Todd and and saying you know we're not going to allow you to beat us in this way and we've seen that a handful of times and, and then certain teams will mix it and and we got to be ready to adjust and adapt accordingly but it sounds like he should be good to go in Detroit he'll be good yeah and I mean he finished the game and he was good you know I think that I think the element is is that you always want to get him as involved as possible they were doing some different things that dictated a little bit different response from us, but uh, Todd's such a special player, you never want to lose sight, even if it's not in the run game. How can we get him his touches uh, through the pass game and through some different avenues? And, and certainly he made a handful of plays, especially in the screen game uh, later on when he got a chance to get a little bit more involved. I've almost gotten in fights, JB. I mean, how can you watch that game? I get it, a lot of points, but say there was no defense being played. Yeah. There was a lot of defense being played on both sides. Yeah, that's a, you know, I mean, I don't know who said it, but that's somebody that's not watching the game. They just look at the, the they just see the score and you just assume I mean you're talking about three defensive touchdowns seven total takeaways when you combine five for our defense two for them uh, a lot of different plays that that influenced and affected the outcome but I just thought it was a high caliber game you know certainly you don't want ever from an offensive coaching standpoint you never want to turn the football over that many times but then when you look at it just from a outsider's perspective or looking at it from a defensive coaching perspective you're saying these this is a great job by guys forcing those types of decisions or getting to the quarterback forcing the fumbles uh getting a couple different picks and um you know it was you, you see why they're one of the best teams in football and it was a back and forth battle and and certainly it took everything we had but our guys did a great job finding a way to get it done and that's kind of been the theme you know and i think what you love the most is the way that they responded uh after the disappointing loss in new orleans not to mention all the different things that are way bigger than football that have taken place really over the last couple weeks in this community and I think it's been a great representation of the type of character that our football team possesses. Also, the maturity to be able to handle it in a way of making sure we take care of these things that are a lot bigger than football. But then when we come in, uh, we put our arms around each other and we find a way to work together and, and try to go get a win. And, and they did that against Seattle and against uh, you know against the Chiefs on Monday night with a lot of different things that could have easily been an excuse, but they didn't allow that to happen. And as a result, back-to-back 10-win seasons for the Rams for the first time since 2000-2001. Uh, one other person. Personnel note to finish this first segment of the Coach McVay Show. Uh, one of the, the top new rising analysts in sports television, Aqib Talib, has been <laughs> assisting, insisting for weeks that he is going to play after Thanksgiving. Yep. Can you confirm or deny that he'll be able to go in Detroit? He, you know, he's, we, we activated him off the IR, so if he's feeling good, you know, we certainly want to be smart with Aqib. If he's ready to go, you know, he's, we're not going to hold him back, but uh, we also want to be mindful of the fact of how important he is and, and making sure that we're doing everything necessary to put him in a position to, to feel healthy and to play at the level that, that we expect from a, a guy I like him and uh, just having him back out there what that does for the for just the overall feel for our team is going to be huge and that's not specific to 
being 10 and 1 and having the luxury of bubble wrapping him, that's more specific to who he is and, and what he's capable yeah, of physically it is. in any NFL game. No doubt. I mean, because this game is certainly so important, you know, when you look at what's at stake, but but every game's like that. And I think, uh, you know, you certainly are, feel blessed to be able to get this late in the season and play games that matter. Uh, and I think that's a credit to what our team's done. But getting him back, uh, we've always kind of had a long term plan in place, anticipating him coming back. Uh, I think this has been a little bit sooner than maybe we had all thought. And that's a result of him doing an excellent job attacking his rehab. And um, he'll get that final clearance from the doctors. And then really it's going to be a matter of how he feels when we physically test it and do some different things to try to mimic and emulate a game-like situation. All right. So good news on the Aqib Tlaib front. Uh, final call still to come. We'll move on to our second segment and talk a little bit about Samson Abucom's breakout performance and Josh Reynolds stepping in at receiver as this edition of the Coach McVay Show continues live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, we continue with segment number two of the Coach McVay Show, week 13 edition. We will preview a matchup with the Detroit Lions upcoming, plus a segment we call Audibles with your questions from social media directly to the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, we continue to Marco Farr and J.B. Long here at Cal Lutheran with some good family news, some Ramley news. The uh, Fossils welcomed another baby girl, uh, Anna Adams Fossil. Congratulations, Bones and Elizabeth. Yeah, no, it's awesome for them. It seems like uh, it wasn't too long ago where they had the gender reveal and he was going to have his third girl and, uh, you know, what a what a great family they are. So happy for them. And uh, she came yesterday morning, so it was awesome. What wonderful timing. Wasn't it Havenstein who had uh, the baby the Saturday after your Thursday night game, I think? It's been good timing. You know, I the mean, football gods have been good to us with the timing of that. So, you know, that's what we like. You know, we're all about the families here. <laughs> Absolutely. Grow that family. There you go. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, let's get into the Kansas City win a little bit more. I know it's been uh, several days and a holiday along the way, but I'm wondering if if you have a lasting memory or think you'll have lasting memories from what was a very significant game for this franchise and this city. Yeah, I would say a lot of lasting memories. You know, there's so many different plays that, you know, ended up, you know, leading to that win for us. But, uh, you know, on a negative side, probably a couple of the bad plays I had that ended up getting the ball back to the uh, to the defense where they had to make a stop. But just so impressed, you know, really, we made a big point of emphasis with the amount of two-minute situations that has come down to really one possession in some games for our defense and the sense of urgency that, that they had throughout the course of the week, knowing how dangerous a, a team like the Chiefs were, especially in those types of settings. Um, you know, it was really awesome to see those guys deliver, not once, but twice, you know, really where you end up getting the pick for Marcus Peters and it looks like okay we find a way to get a first down uh, you end up closing the game out well they did a nice job you know and, and like I said you know I could have helped us out with some uh, better opportunities to move the chains and some different things like that but ultimately, Johnny ends up coming up with, with a big punt like we alluded to earlier in the show. And then for those guys to be able to close it out, another opportunity with LaMarcus closing it out uh, was a real credit to those guys. And I just think the way they continue to compete in those types of plays, and you talk about being at your best when your best was required, and, and certainly our team, but specifically our defense in that two-minute situation was at the end. On the way out, people are telling me, hey, Tyreek Hill is fast. Yeah, water's wet. Where he you been? Is, the guy yes, is unbelievable. He is unbelievable, and uh, you can see it on the tape, but until you see it live and in person, you know, you, you have a, even more of an appreciation for what a unique talent he is. He looked like he's he's got a jetpack up, as you know what, yeah. as he moves around the field, man. <laughs> he's he's a stud. And, you know, Mahomes' ability to buy time, but then to also make plays in rhythm. Uh, Kareem Hunt's ability to break tackles and create explosives. Kelsey's length. I, I, they're, a, they're a really, really tough offense to defend. Uh, a nightmare would be an appropriate word uh, when you're an opposing team. Mm-hmm. I was going to that could help you going forward. 
You're not going to see a lot of offenses like that. Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, there's a reason why they're, you know, up there in, in, in every single major category. They're so explosive, too. You know, I want to say they've got the most explosive plays in the league, and I think we're right behind those guys. But but you feel it. I mean, you you know, you talk about you feel certain guys on the field. You feel a whole lot of players on their offense, their explosion. You know, they're in unison up front. It's a great system, too. I have so much respect for Andy Reid. What a great coach and a, a great person he is. Uh, the way that he's putting guys in position to make plays and then the way the guys are delivering. And, uh, you know, you hope he gets healthy. I it for Sammy that his foot was bothering him you know he's done a great job for them as well and you know other than really that first play where they kind of threw him a quick little hitch uh, you could just see that his foot wasn't right and, and he wasn't really playing but but Conley did an excellent job stepping up in his absence Sean I hear you rattle off that list of skill talent on their roster yep. you have one to match New Orleans has one to match and so a lot of people felt like that Monday night football game was a referendum on the way the NFL is heading but it's got to be hard to assemble that much special skill talent to get to that point and match it with the system. Yeah, it really is. You know, and I think it's a credit to, you know, you know, you draft guys the right way, you develop within, you know, when you really look at them and then you acquire some guys through free agency that end up you hit on and uh, it's a little bit of both for us and, and I think, you know, that's the thing that you feel so fortunate about when you just look at from our offense, you got two guys that are that are first round picks that, you know, and your running back and your quarterback that you invest a lot in and those guys have delivered in a big way. Uh, you look at developing two tight ends that you drafted in Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, who had a huge influence on the outcome of the game and in a variety of ways. And and then you're able to acquire some big time receivers in Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. Uh, Brandon obviously through the trade and, and Robert through free agency. You know, and then you you got a guy that's continued to do a great job of, of demonstrating why he's a starting caliber receiver in, in a Josh Reynolds. So a lot of different guys. You you look at what Malcolm Brown's contributions are. So I think it's a combination of both, but but really, a lot of those guys are, are players that you draft. It's a credit to Les and his staff, and and then you got to do a great job of developing from within. And then you also need to supplement them with some players via trades or free agency if that's what you feel like is best for your team. I guess they. I guess you do throw to tight ends. You do have tight ends on this football team. We do. You yeah. know, uh, those, these guys have done an excellent job. I, I think really over the last few weeks, there's been some different things that that we got that that made us want to be aware of. Number one, giving them opportunities they deserve, and then you know you. Talk Talk about making them defend all five eligibles, using the width of the field, but then also making sure that they've got to defend uh, all the eligibles that that we can, you know, really uh, be able to, you know, utilize to distribute the field. And I think Jared's done an excellent job, and then those guys have done a great job delivering on their opportunities. Did he score too quickly, Gerald's touchdown? I mean, did you, did you rein in your celebration knowing how much time was left? You know what? It, you know, I don't think you can ever take for granted scoring too quickly. It's too hard to score as it is. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, sure, you'd like to not save any time and, and, and have it as a walk-off, but uh, hard to say when that ball gets up and down 40 yards out and he does a great job, you know, kind of tiptoeing down the sideline, but... Uh, it was a long time that that clock took a while to run off after that. <laughs> oh it felt God. like an eternity, that's for sure. You're not going to scream, "Don't score!" Right? I'm Get not going to. It right. wasn't one of those situations. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, if uh, you know, if you maybe had a lead and some different things like that, <laughs> but when you're playing from behind, you got to get the points when you can take them. Well, one of my favorite plays when Jared threw it versus where the coverage was, yep. and then Everett takes off and extends, and the ball's right there. I mean. Yeah, he did a great job. You know, they, they were in some a version of man coverage. You didn't know if it was going to stay as a two-man contour or go to a single high. The safety dropped down. And you talk about a ball turning over, getting up and down. Gerald winning on his release. And uh, it was it was just great overall execution, great protection, and, and, and two great players making a great play right there. 
All right, we have to take another break here, but on the other side, uh, Samson Abukam could go on to a Hall of Fame career and perhaps <laughs> never have a game like he had Monday Night Football against Kansas City. We will revisit it, relive it a little bit, and ask the head coach what's next for the outside linebacker of the Rams when this Week 13 edition of the Coach McVay Show continues from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. All right, live on a Monday night with the Coach McVay Show, DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the 10-1 and Los Angeles Rams, uh, Sean McVay. I thought back to training camp over the holiday weekend and something I remember Les Sneed saying, uh, kind of framing 2018 way back when as we're 11 wins behind where we left last year. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to kind of tamp down all of the, you know, the Rams are going to the Super Bowl yeah. expectations with how much work you had ahead of you. Now coming off the bye, you could be right there again on Sunday. Yeah, we can. And, and, and you know, I think uh, this is a clever line by Les right there. He's got there. a lot you of know, those. He's a, clever, he's he a smart guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, what I think it represents is that every, every year, you know, you, you look around the league, it's so competitive and guys that you anticipate being in the mix, you know, have more losses or, you know, certain teams come out of nowhere. But I don't think you ever take anything for granted. And what our players have done an excellent job of is, is truly taking it one day at a time, focusing on our process, continuing to develop that standard of performance with how we we operate on a day-to-day basis. And because of that, now you are in a position where you can start talking about winning a division with your next win. And, and that's, and that's, that's something that's fun, you know, but you don't get yourself even in a position to be able to have those types of conversations if you don't handle your business the prior 10 weeks to get 10 wins or 11 weeks, even to, to use the New Orleans game as a learning opportunity to stay strong and move forward in the right way, even though you don't accomplish the outcome that you want. So, uh, this team has continued to grow. You know, the one thing that stands out to me about this group that I think is really special and something that um, you know makes this group really unique and it was similar to last year but every team has a new identity but you know truly connected and you could see uh, learning how to win games finding ways to pick each other up when we need it the most and that's offense defense special teams there's been a variety of ways that we've won football games but what I do think you see consistently that's been represented throughout the first 11 games of the season is the ability to stand up or for somebody else to make a big play uh, when maybe the other side needs it the most. And, and that's what the power of the unit, the power of the team, most importantly, uh, really, you know, is what's so great about football. And, and that's what you love. But, but these guys, they care about each other, man. They play hard for each other. And, and you can just see they enjoy each other. When you watch teams that are connected, you see it better than anything you can see. And I think you see that when you see our guys compete together. Next question is yours, DeMarco, but just to follow up on Coach's thought there, best when your best is required. The Rams have trailed in the fourth quarter five of their last seven games and gone 6-1 and one across that span. We don't want to be trailing that much I, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I put things out there like that so yeah. that we can put them behind us. You no, know? <laughs> you, you know what, though? It's it, it's a credit to our players. You know, you talk about learning how to win and finding a way to, you know, to make enough plays and, and know what needs to get done. And, and that is uh, that's something that good teams do. And, and we're becoming that. You know, there's there's still a lot of football left. I mean, five games is an eternity in this league. I mean, when you think about it, it seems like 11 games has been a lot. And, uh, you know, we're wrapping up. We break the season up into quarters, and we're wrapping up the third quarter of the season with our game this week. And it's going to be a great challenge for us. What can make you blink? You've been through everything so far. Yeah, you know, I, I think really, I, I don't think you ever want to have anything make you blink. I think you always can control your response. And, and I think whether that's, you know, being able to handle injuries, being able to handle a little bit of adversity within the framework of a game or uh, just based on the nature of how things play out, I, I think it's always just going back to the things that we value, how we want to uh, be able to do the little things the right way consistently. And I think that guide has served us well to, to handle it. Is it perfect? No. I mean, there's a lot of instances where if you're being self-reflective, you know, specific to the role that I 
I have, I can do a lot of things better, you know, whether it's uh, how you respond, how you control your emotions and some of these different things. And are you really leading with a consistent demeanor and disposition that, you know, that you ask of your players? And uh, I think that's really important that we hold ourselves accountable and have the same standards that, that we ask our players to because of that shared ownership and, and accountability that we want to have from players to coaches and, and, you know, both those things alike. Am I seeing you run more in games now? When I look like along the sidelines, yeah. you're sprinting up and down the field. Yeah, now. maybe to take a timeout. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, there's a there's a couple instances, whether it be offense or defense, where it's some situations, and, and you got the ability to go down there, and, and sometimes then you got to get out of there if you're not going to utilize it. But you know, I'm not getting enough exercise during the week, so I figure <laughs> I'll steal a couple reps during the games. You know. There's actually an audible's question having to do with Sean McVay's 40 time coming up in our next segment. <laughs> nice. A little teaser there. I uh, do want to touch on Samson Ebukam as the NFC Defensive Player of the Week uh, reigning. I'll always kind of remember this as a two-game stretch, though. And, and correct me if I didn't see this the right way, but I thought Seattle was quite a challenge for him with what Russell Wilson was doing with some of that zone read stuff. And the way that he bounced back to have a career performance in a much different style game against the Chiefs will always stick with me. Yeah, philosophically, they operated you know, in a, in a very different way that you know dictated a different game plan, and we were in some different structures defensively where he's playing a lot more of a base where he could sometimes be rushing, sometimes in coverage. But, but even going back to that game you look at the fourth and ten who moved Wilson off his spot it was Samson getting a great yep. rush uh, coming off the right tackle side he gets underneath him forces Russell to get flushed to his left then Aaron reads out of the stack and ends up forcing an Aaron throw and that's how we end up winning the game but you know what you love about guys like him is you talk about a guy that was committed to just being developed he's got a great ability he's got a great talent extremely conscientious and coachable can't say enough about the job that Joe Barry and Chris Shula have done uh, bringing him along even earlier when you're talking about it you you know, Connor Barwin really did a great job mentoring him last year, even though I know he's not here mm-hmm. with us. But uh, and and Samson, you know, to his credit delivered on his opportunities and what a couple big time plays really you know the two touchdowns would stand out but he made an impact on the game in a lot of other instances and um you know it, it it's always so fun and exciting to be able to see guys hard work pay off and then to be able to make those kind of plays uh that end up helping our team in a positive way it, it's you know that's what you love beyond unique since the sack became an official statistic no one has ever had a sack and two defensive touchdowns in a game until samson abucom did it in a win over the chiefs we need to take a break here but coming up should be a fun audible segment. We'll talk about the impact of Aqib Talib potentially returning to the Rams defense this week after this break on the ESPNLA Rams Radio Network. This is ESPNLA 710. All right, back from the bye week and ready for a segment we call Audibles. Your questions on social media directly to the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. I'm joined by DeMarco Farr, as always. Great to have you with us on ESPNLA. Uh, we'll start with Blaine on Instagram. How important was it, coach, for the bye week to come when it did, and what is the mentality going into these final five weeks of the season? Yeah, it was very important. You know, I I think we've stayed relatively healthy, but any time that you're going for really 11 straight weeks, you know, guys need a break. And uh, it was the latest buy that, that, that we had this year. And um, guys did an excellent job, and, and really, you know, we expect guys to come back refreshed, recharged, re-energized, and, and ready to go, and and you know, attack this week uh, the right way. And I think our guys, you know, started out today the right way. Uh, it felt like there was a good energy about them, and and then really, we'll get it cranked back up on Wednesday when they come back in after their day off on Tuesday. Get it. 
Give it to them, absolutely, after Thanksgiving. You yeah. got to make them run a little bit, right? A little bit. You know, Ted Ted got him out of there. But, you know, this sports science approach to Marco, you would have liked playing in this era. You know, you would have <laughs> liked playing with a coaching staff like us. We would have taken care of you, man. We would have kept you fresh and uh, hydrated. And, uh, you know, it would it would have been a you – know, you might you might have played for a few Where more Where were you years. in the 90s, man? Know, right? Come on now. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Zach Stover next up. Looking forward to uh, Aqib Tlaib getting involved on the field again, he says. I'd love to hear about the impact he's had in the locker room during the time he's been injured yeah he, he's been he's been so impressive you know and it's unique because my first year in coaching happened to coincide with with the key being drafted in tampa uh in the first round out of kansas you know that was my first year in coaching getting a chance to uh really work as a coach's assistant i was like the assistant to the quality control coach i didn't know what the heck i was doing but i remember being so impressed with his talent and then you know we kind of had kept in touch just based on the nature of crossing over in, in the nfl and different things like that but then when you get a chance to reconnect you see the success that he's had from afar but you just look at the maturity the perspective um, the way that he's able to mentor guys and then just what a smart football player I mean you talk about being able to learn from him you talk ball what does he see it's helped make us better as coaches uh, just because of what a unique perspective and, and approach he takes he's extremely talented but I think one of the things that's been consistent anytime you're around great players it's usually a combination of the talent matches up with the innate feel and the appreciation for the little things in terms of that preparation throughout the course of the week, the concept recognition. And I think that's why you've seen him get as many turnovers. But anytime you come into a place in your first year, you get voted a captain by your teammates. That's about as big an honor as you could get. Uh, guys listen when he speaks. And I think he's got just, he's got, he's one of those guys that anytime you're around the keep, you leave feeling better about yourself. And that's a great trait. You know, he's got that mag, magnetic personality. He's got a charisma about himself, but he's got a confidence and a well-earned confidence based on what he's done and the way that he studies the game. And he's got a great way of being able to communicate uh, to the players. You know, I joke around with with Aubrey and Ian and say, you know, if Akib decides he wants to coach, you guys will be in big trouble, you know, uh, after he's done. Uh, Marcus Peters happy to have his running mate back, I imagine. I think so. You know, that's his big bro. You know, and, and any time that you get a chance to get your mentor, somebody you look up to, somebody that helps give you a perspective. And I think that's one of the things that is so unique. You know, it's one thing as coaches, but there's a special dynamic that exists between and amongst players, especially when you do have the clout that an Akib does. And, you know, I, I don't think that can be understated or underappreciated. And the more that I coach, the more you appreciate the influence, the effect that players like him have on your team in a positive way. Next question from social media. This is a segment we call Audibles. is uh, from Twitter, Brennan Smith. How does Josh Reynolds' skill set differ from that of Cooper Cup, and what elements does he add to your offense? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think they're both phenomenal receivers. I mean, clearly, just from a physical standpoint, Josh a little bit longer, uh, got that longer stride. Um, you know, typically where you know they're both wired to separate in some different ways. But you know, you see Cooper a lot of those times. You know, having some of those option and those choice routes where certainly Josh is capable of doing that. Uh, but now you've seen Robert kind of take over that role a little bit and run some of those routes that you've seen Cooper uh, typically have in some of those known passing situations. But I think you're seeing a guy with a great catch radius. I think I think you're seeing two phenomenal players, though, that have made a lot of plays with the opportunities that they've had. You know, Cooper clearly was having a great season, uh, led our team in receiving the previous year, one of the most mature football players in terms of coming in as a rookie and then conscientious to where he makes you better as a coach. And then Josh has just come in and, and demonstrated exactly why we feel like he's a starting caliber receiver. He is a starting caliber receiver. He's maximized his opportunities, even going back to last year when he had to fill in for Robert when Robert missed a couple games, stepped in seamlessly and 
did a great job against the Saints, made a big touchdown, a couple big third down catches. You know, and then this year you look at the impact that he made specifically in the Green Bay and the Kansas City game, and, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have Josh, and, and he's done a great job. He's a problem on the high ball yeah, for any he, defense. He is. You know, I, I think that the touchdown that he ends up going up and getting uh, was a great example of just using his length, kind of boxing it out where it's a, it's a great location by Jared in the back right corner. And then, you know, we were saying earlier, if he didn't have a 13-and-a-half shoe, he would have had another touchdown on the left side where he's kind of running a little slot-type fade route and did a great job high-pointing it. And, and, you know, he was just out of bounds by a couple inches. But made a big-time play later on. Uh, he, 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 he did a great job. Uh, DeMarco asked you earlier about getting your steps in on the sideline. Alex Washburn follows up from Twitter. If you were to run a 40-yard dash, how many members of your roster do you think you could beat? I would say zero because if I really tried to explode out of the blocks, I'd for sure snap my hamstring. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, – I, I think I'm going to save some guys, but uh, – you know, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, last year when I really tried to open up without warming up and pulled my quad, I still feel that thing. So I used to have a lot more juice. You know, I feel like I'm 32 going on 62. We'll put you down for zero. There you go. <laughs> uh, Dom, I would up. take some guys. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I didn't think that was a really <laughs> truthful answer there personally. Uh, Dom follows up with, given how productive the tight ends were over the last few games, do you at all think about using two tight end sets in the future, even if 11 personnel is clearly extremely effective as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, those are things that we always look into. Too, and uh, you know it's the balance between you know the the you know getting some good guys on the field, being able to present some different new looks to an offense to a defense. Excuse me. So yeah, absolutely, that's definitely something that we've talked about, and um, you know giving guys opportunities that they deserve, and, and we're always going to do things that we feel like are best. And a lot of it is predicated on some of the defensive matchups that we have, and then how we feel like uh, is the best way to attack them. The ball is sticking to Higby now. Yeah, I mean, it's just sticking on him now. He did a great, you know, he's done a great job. Made some great catches. Uh, you know, I, I joke with the receivers. He looked like the best threat on the screen, hmm. the, the, the the quick screen, where he did a great job getting vertical immediately. So it's awesome to see Tyler making the plays that he's making. Uh, Noah, our next question on Audible, social media takes directly to the head coach of the Rams. What are some of the biggest things you've learned from coaching uh, big games like last week's Monday Night Football contest? Yeah, I think I think what you learn is that you just truly stay in the moment, one play at a time. Try to make great decisions. Uh, don't allow the circumstances to dictate an emotional response. I think it's such an emotional game, but you want to make sure you stay in the moment, especially like when you're going back and forth, not feeling like you have to get it all back. But uh, just following the little things that we talk about and, and making sure that uh, you understand it's about you know trusting yourself and trusting and everyone around you and that's something that you always want to remember is we got so much confidence in our coaches and our players um, you know and you trust your preparation and, and we talk about just trusting the, the man beside you but trusting yourself and and going and operating with a quieted mind all we can do is compete to the best of our ability but certainly when you got the players the caliber of coaches that we do have it allows you to go in there confident and, and you know a lot of times too you got to remind yourself to enjoy the moment I mean you look around and you realize what a what an amazing uh, opportunity you have to even be able to coach in the NFL, let alone in some of these settings where you're looking around on a Monday night in L.A. and all the different things going on that are so much bigger and, and getting a chance to kind of provide some relief and a product that people can be proud of and watching our team uh, be able to go get it done together in front of that community. That, that's special, you know, and those are things that uh, as you're kind of you get so caught up in, OK, what's next? What ne- what's next? You don't want to lose sight of the journey. And that's what's something that, you know, I try to be mindful of myself uh, better. It's easier for me to say than do but it's you know you, you got to enjoy it because this is awesome hmm. uh, last one from leo and every week there's 
calls on both sides that coaches want to go the other way, right? But there's there's kind of a process and a mechanic for how you talk to the league respectfully about getting those addressed. So his question is, on average, how many plays do you kind of challenge behind the scenes each week, and how does that take place? Like, what's the mechanism there? Yeah, you know, it's a couple, and, and mostly it's not necessarily to question their calls. It's more to educate us on how it's being officiated so that we can communicate that to our players with regards to some of the penalties, the personal fouls, some of the things that the league has been, uh, you know, real intentional about uh, emphasizing this year. So uh, really, we get those together. We, t- we send it in to Al Riveron at the, at the league office. They do a great job giving us that feedback, and, and that's something that's ongoing. And then, you know, and there's always going to be some elements. Everything happens so quickly where, um, you know, there's not enough, there's not conclusive evidence to overturn it, different things like that, and we understand it. But the main reason that we utilize that stuff is, is to educate ourselves so that we can, in essence, communicate to our players what the expectations are and how we anticipate it being officiated. Uh, perhaps one of the reasons why the Rams are among the least penalized teams in the National Football League. All right, one more break here, and we'll turn our attention to the Detroit Lions at 4-7. and seven. That's next up on the Rams schedule and here on the Coach McVay Show, ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back for our final segment of the Coach McVay Show. Great to be back from the bye. Looking forward to a trip to Detroit. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, just a first glance at the Detroit Lions. It's kind of hard to figure out. They've got some nice wins over the Patriots, most notably the Packers, the Dolphins, the Panthers. Uh, did not play their best football necessarily on Thanksgiving, though. What have you kind of gleaned from your first look at Matt Patricia's first season? Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and Chicago's a great football team. I mean, you're talking about an 8-3 and three team. It was a back-and-forth competitive game, and really if it wasn't for the turnover late, you know, they're driving to go ahead and take the lead, and that kind of alters the course of the game. But I thought it was competitive back-and-forth. But anytime, you know, Matt Patricia's such a great coach. He's done such a phenomenal job. I've always had so much respect watching uh, the defenses that he led from afar, you know, in New England for so many different years. Uh, the knowledge that he has of the game, working in such a sound system and, and really doing a great job calling it and, and being a part of a, lot, a handful of world championships. And then and when you look at them, you know, he's done a great job. You know, Jim Bob Cooter's done a nice job running that offense for the last handful of years. Um, and, and really, you know, Joe Marciano's a good special teams coordinator. So there's a lot of really good coaches on this staff. And then also they got the players. I mean, you're talking about Matt Stafford. Uh, what a phenomenal talent he is. I know they're a little bit banged up at receiver with Marvin Jones being placed on IR. But they've got weapons. You know, and guys like Galladay have made a handful of plays. Um, you're, you know, you know that Theo Riddick is probably one of the more dangerous backs coming out of the backfield with his versatility to line up all over the formation and win on some of those option routes coming out of the backfield. And then defensively, you know, I'm, I, th- I think they've got two of the premier players in this league on defense in, uh, in Anza and, and one of the premier corners in Darius Slay. And, and they've got, you know, Glover Quinn's been playing at a high level for a long time. Uh, they've got a handful of other guys. We talked about Harrison has done a nice job. They've really done a nice job stopping the run, especially as of late. But we're kind of diving into them right now. But but like you said, you know, this league is so tough and, and, and they do a great job. And um, I don't think their record is, is indicative of the type of team that they are. I think, you know, it's going to be a phenomenal challenge and we got to be ready to go if we expect to go get it done a quarterback that can put it anywhere and a a rush that can get to anybody's quarterback yeah what could be better exactly yeah Yeah, no it's 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 a it's a good mix but i mean you know you look at some of the plays that stafford you know obviously he can make plays in rhythm but then some of the off schedule plays where he's able to buy time and you know similar to some of the guys we've seen over the last couple weeks with the mahomes or even a rogers where they've got the you know the ability to make any throw from any point on the field no matter where they're getting rushed and what kind of body position they're in and and that's why those guys are are first round talents and, and some of the best players in the world and uh you know Matt Stafford is certainly no different. Uh, with the Chicago game getting a flex to primetime, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only early 
uh, road Eastern time kick that you guys have in your schedule this year, right? Yeah, yeah, because I guess it was a four o'clock or three, whatever time yeah. it was in New Orleans, and it was a daylight saving. So, so yeah, that'll be uh, you know we'll leave on Friday. We'll get ourselves adjusted mm-hmm. and, and be ready to wake up and, and get going. That being said, if there's anything that your group has proven last year and again this year, any time, any date, any weather conditions, they seem uh, to rally around these road opportunities. Yeah, they do. They do a good job, and you know I think it's a credit to being able to you know travel a couple days in advance, get those guys acclimated, and uh, you know they're they're not able to be out on Friday nights. <laughs> Never a bad thing. That includes you, DeMarco, oh, and Maurice right. Jones-Drew. He, he was looking and, right at me when he yeah, said it. Yeah. Right. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, we're going to go early this week for Rams All-Access as well. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday night here on ESPN LA. No doubt, sir. Talk looking to forward then. to it. Uh, Sean, have a great week. Thank, uh, thank you. you for joining us coming off of your bye. Glad you had a great holiday. Thanks to all of you for listening to this Week 13 edition of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams can clinch back-to-back division titles for the first time since 1979. We hope that's the conversation uh, when we greet you from Ford Field in Detroit on Sunday morning.